Next on BYU Sports Nation, name your starting BYU quarterback. Is it Tanner Mangum or the field? What you voted on Twitter over the weekend. Who did Elijah Bryant work out for, and what's the expectation for him in the NBA process? Plus, BYU softball wins the West Coast Conference title in dramatic fashion. Let's go! Toy popped up! What a catch made by Aldridge as she dives over the fence! That secures game one for BYU! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, May 14th, wherever and however you're connected, Great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with P.T. Barnum's number one fan, Jerem Jordan. I saw The Greatest Showman for the first time. I know, I should have seen it earlier. For the first time over the weekend. (laughs) That is one of my favorite movies. Like, in the top ten, instantly. Loved it. Loved the music. Loved the story. Loved the music the most. It was so good. That's saying something, because you're a movie buff. You watch a ton of movies. I don't... My wife likes to watch movies. So, yeah, we, we showed our daughter as well, and she liked the dancing and whatnot. But it was so good, dude. My no. kids can't stop singing it. My really? six-year-old and my two-year-old have songs memorized. That's a Yeah. My four-year-old has a million dreams memorized. I'm like, <laughs> what? He's like, I close my I'm like, what the heck was that? <laughs> yeah. Really, really awesome. I don't have a 12-second movie review on it, or perhaps that was my 12 seconds. It's over 12 seconds. But on a scale of Jay Keeps to Jimmer Fredette, it's like Ty Demmer. It's just Awesome. Pretty, pretty stinking cool. It's fantastic. Hugh Jackman. Are you ready to admit that Hugh Jackman has given you a bit of that man crush feeling yet? Sure, yeah. Okay. I've had a man crush on Hugh Jackman for a long time. (laughs) He's the most versatile dude in showbiz. Amazing. Wolverine, P.T. Barnum, Les Miserables. Like, come on, man. Who else can do that? What has he done that you haven't liked is the question. Who else can do that? Nobody. There's a line in The Greatest Showman where he talks about... Broadway plays, and he made a name for himself doing Broadway. Still does. Where he pokes fun at, what do they do? They just act on stage. (laughs) And like most of the cast, I think, is from Broadway as well, right? Awesome. Oh, good stuff. Energy is high. P.T. Barnum, here we go. I thought The Greatest Showman was you until I saw that. Now I know it's Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman is the guy. Well, I've seen you dance from the NSYNC video in, what was it, (laughs) 2000 or something? 18 years ago, man. 18 (laughs) years. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. It's going to be May. Indeed it is. Almost 1,300 of you voted in a poll that I sent out on Friday asking you to name the starting BYU quarterback. I listed four options. Tanner Mangum, Bo Hodge, Joe Critchlow, Zach Wilson, slash other, meaning... Jaron Hall or Gunner or sorry, excuse me, Baylor, Baylor Romney. Baylor don't call me Gunner Romney. Gunner's brother. So fifty percent of Shout you. Shout out to Chandler High, by the way. Fifty percent of you out of almost thirteen hundred said Tanner Mangum's going to be the guy. The other options combined for an exact fifty percent. Jerem is well, the quarterback race at BYU essentially Tanner Mangum. Versus the field? I think it is. Tanner Mangum has the most experience of any quarterback on this team by far, okay? Bo Hodge showed some glimpses of good things, the throw to Bo Tanner, 
the Wisconsin game drive. Like, there's not a lot of volume there with Bo, but we've seen how explosive he can be. Taysom Mask, also Taysom Mask in that he's kind of been injury-prone, unfortunately. Joe Critchlow started three games, one, two. It wasn't the toughest competition. He beat UNLV and why he lost to UMass at home. That's a kind of a big blemish, right? Um, Zach Wilson, kind of the the rook card here, and like, what's he going to do? The wild card, right? So I do think it's Tanner versus the field. I think Tanner Mangum has earned that right as well. And in our conversation with quarterback coach Aaron Roderick in the spring, he said that BYU will boil it down to three dudes who will compete in the fall for this. We don't know who the odd man out is quite yet, but Roderick did say that Tanner Mangum had earned his way into the three, okay? Because of experience because of and experience. what he's done in the program. I think it's hard to argue that it's not. Argue against it. Go. This is the curious case of Tanner Mangum as a freshman in the Robert Anai offense versus Tanner Mangum as the starter in a Ty Detmer offense and now a that new was offense. historically bad. Okay, so you have two crazy exceptions. He was the freshman of the year according Nationally. to the touchdown club of Columbus. Of, and of all the touchdown clubs, that's the one I have the most credible. That's the one. That's the one. Not the one in Kansas City, but the one in Columbus. Kirk Herbstreit thinks that's the one, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's the, the freshman touchdown of the club. year, and then he has a forgettable year yes. where he's injured. And a forgettable bowl game in 2016 in the rain. But you come back with Aaron Roderick and Jeff Grimes in a new offense, and are there enough playmakers around him that can help him like they did when he was a freshman? Is he the guy that's putting it in the right hands this year? It's just it's one of the most intriguing quarterback controversies that we've seen in BYU history because of a long, flawed, celebrated at times past. And, uh, and how often do you give uh, some credence to injuries and the toll they took on the season versus Tanner Mangum's performance? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, don't know. it's Tanner versus it is Tanner versus the field. It's Tanner versus the field. Yes. Okay. The two of us have come to that consensus. All right, BYU football opens the season at Arizona. Hit it! Just kidding. Then plays Cal at home. (laughs) These two are part of the gauntlet. We introduced that last week. Six really tough games. Okay, the gauntlet. Spencer, what if BYU football starts 2-0? BYU will win at least seven games. And you can book a bowl game for sure. If they go 2-0... What bowl game is the question? Good question. If they win the first two, the bowl game is not... I'm not worried about that. They will play in the postseason if they go 2-0 and you can guarantee that the hype train will be flowing <laughs> and people will be calling for BYU to be a nationally ranked team I don't think Arizona and Cal are quality enough wins to put BYU in the top 25 but going into that Wisconsin game the hype train will be steaming along amen to all that BYU is going to a bowl game They'll be outside the rankings, but kind of looking in. I they'll be think. getting votes. Yeah, they'll be in the top 35. So you'll leapfrog from 4-9 and nine and disrespected to respected suddenly. And then you go to Wisconsin. That'll be a reality check for sure. But McNeese State is there. You're 3-1 and one going into Washington, potentially, if you start 2-0. and Okay, then you're 3-2. and two. And, But now you're talking. Now you're talking about being above 500 all year. You're 3-2. and two. You have a winning September. Would all of you take a winning September? Who would, what, who would say no to that? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, we would all say. I think BYU could, if BYU could stay above 500 all year, man, the feeling would be different from last year. Because BYU was under 500 for the vast majority of the year. In fact, uh, I'm trying to think, was it the whole year? 
I can't even remember. Portland State. You win that. You're above 500. Then you go 500, and then you dip below, and you're out. So by game three, you were below 500 and out. So I, I think if BYU could – listen, I'll take one and one, honestly. But if BYU could start 2-0, and it'd just feel different, and it'd feel – much better. Isn't that interesting? One game. Like one game makes it one and one and oh, two and absolutely. Oh. And and you know what? One game would make a huge difference on the season too. Beating Utah, snapping that streak, ending the regular season with a win. Elijah Bryan of BYU basketball is chasing his one game as a professional athlete. Would hope that it's in the NBA. He worked out for the Utah Jazz over the weekend as he continues those efforts to make it as a pro player. What is the expectation for Elijah Bryant as he now pursues a professional career? To continue to have uh, really good uh, draft workouts. Uh, did not receive an NFL draft combine, that is for sure. Uh, but he's going to do his best in these workouts. I hope that Elijah Bryant gets on a summer league team. That's my expectation. Does a nice job in summer league. And then I'm not expecting him per se to get uh, you know on a, on a roster immediately. But I'm thinking G League or overseas initially, and then hopefully Elijah Bryant can pull Kyle Collinsworth, pay his dues in the G League, and get a shot in the NBA. It is a process for sure. I would trust it. Ask Kyle Collinsworth about that. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Also ask Kyle Collinsworth about your meal planning because maybe that goes into <laughs> it. They could meal plan together. <laughs> what are we eating this week? <laughs> he did it with Chase Fisher when he was at school. Now maybe he's Brown doing it with Elijah Bryant. I think the expectation is for Eli to make money playing basketball somewhere, whether it's in the G League or one of the several European leagues. He's good enough to go out there and get buckets and play. Okay? I know that he it's didn't get the where, NBA right? draft combine. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah, just it's a just matter where. of where. And is he patient enough, a la Kyle Collinsworth, a la David Stockton, who worked his way up to the Jazz main roster after years in the G League? How is David Stockton on the Jazz like – it's because his dad played for them, mainly. but be, Because a guy like Kevin Pangos is a better player. But Kevin Pangos plays on the same team Brandon Davies does Yeah, and they're, they're both killing it in Lithuania. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. So where does Elijah Bryant go? I, that's the real question. Yeah. He, he's going to make it. The expectation is will he be a, he'll be a pro basketball player. It's just a matter of where. Exactly. The BYU softball team beat LMU over the weekend, securing the West Coast Conference Championship and an auto bid to the NCAA Regionals. Congratulations to the softball team. They are awesome. The Cougars drew the Eugene Regional with the number one overall seed, Oregon, with Albany and Drake as well. Not the rapper, that's a school. Spencer, what's your reaction to the NCAA softball draw? Yes, BYU is back in the NCAA tournament. Why are they in the Eugene Regional? With the number one overall seed. Come on. I thought they would end up in Arizona, potentially College Station, or even Alabama. Those sites had been tossed around in conversations with the BYU coaches. They go to Eugene, and here's the thing. It's not like they haven't seen this level of play this year. They have played, like, 10 top 25 teams. They played number one Washington as well. They played the number they one team before. They played that caliber of competition. But having to beat Oregon in Eugene Come to on. get to a Super Regional. Come on, Phil Knight. That's a lot to ask. So right now, I'm like, okay, beat Drake. Just give yourselves an opportunity to play Oregon. But the expectation is probably that you're not going to beat the number one team in America and get to the Super Regional. I don't know. I'm hoping BYU gets to Saturday afternoon yeah. with a chance yes. to have to beat Oregon twice. Sure. Right? So maybe you get them once. Maybe you get lucky. But what a play by Caitlin Aldridge in game one, by the way, against LMU. 
Fantastic stuff. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too high on the draw, but at the end of the day, when has BYU been super happy with its draw in NCAA tournaments and like any sport? It just is what it is. Sunday play is a thing, and BYU's uh, you know by choice pigeonholed into kind of half the bracket sometimes and whatnot. So it is what it is. Like go to Eugene, win a couple games, get to Saturday, see if you can't beat Oregon twice. Just give yourselves a chance, and they've done that for the 14th straight year. Take down, take down Drake in Albany. Straight that, consecutive NCAA incredible. tournaments. That's incredible. BYU softball just won a 10th straight conference title Ten over straight. four different conferences. They've been in the West Coast Conference for five years and have won it every year. They've known nothing but the top in the West Coast Conference. Is BYU softball the most underappreciated sport on campus at BYU? This question is specific to the level of appreciation. Men's volleyball is, like, in the NCAA tournament every year. It's t- I feel like men's volleyball is appreciated. Women's volleyball, I think, is pretty appreciated as well. Six Sweet 16s in a row. That's incredible. I think we do appreciate them. I think it has to do with the nature of the level of interest of softball, but I think softball is the most underappreciated sport on campus. You just said the stats. Ten conference titles in a row, 14 NCAA regionals. That's incredible. It's probably softball. I think it used to be BYU rugby. But when the admissions office said, okay, no more exceptions, and now, and now they can't get a couple of guys in, BYU Rugby's taking a step back. Um, probably softball at this point. To the detriment of BYU softball, they have made excelling seem normal. Like the Cougarettes, maybe? Exactly. They're, they're in this conversation, probably. Those are my two picks. The BYU Sorry, Cougarettes. Two picks? I did, did it I say got... sport or sports? Okay. <laughs> BYU softball is the most underappreciated sport on campus, and I said this to a number of people on the field. Because of excelling and it's becoming normal, we tend to just take it for granted. Sure. Like, and that's why the girls on the team this year felt real pressure to not be the team that broke the Dude, streak. Libby Sugg was basically sweating over here last week when we were like, hey, finally you have some competition for the title. She's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, she, you, could t- you could tell there was some tension there. The Cougarettes, as well, win national championships on a regular basis, but because they win the title so often, it's like, oh, yeah, good for them. Awesome. Congratulations. Right. You always have to do more than you're doing now, which is like a silly, uh, like, yes, I get it, but what if what you're doing is, like, top-shelf stuff? Yeah, because then there's the fan that's thinking, well, if BYU can beat number one-ranked Oregon in the softball regional and get to the super regional, then, okay, then there will be some real appreciations. Like, no, I don't stop. feel like there's a single person who, one, sounds like that, and two, is saying that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> step back. That was a different voice than uh, a regular kind of oh, weirdo yeah, voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, they mean Oregon, the in, I don't know. The incomprehensible. Which is basically what's-his-bucket from Barney. It's always sin- Well, yes, Barney Five. Also, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Charlie? <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. Well, I don't know. Sweet, uh, sweet, sweet D. I don't think she's going to make it to Eugene. I don't know, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> That's who that voice is. Our question of the day. Centering around BYU softball and specifically what Caitlin Aldridge did over the weekend. She was number four on SportsCenter's top ten. Got a ton of run. And I, want, I wanted them to go Nats up with your call, though. They didn't. They voiced it over. That's okay. But on Snapchat, they On Snapchat, they, they did. That's still uh, a thing. Apparently. On SportsCenter, they did like a minute-long feature on the catch, called it Must SC Moment. Mm. Okay, so not just top 10 swag, like she got some other run. Our question of the day, since August, what is the play of the year in BYU sports? Time to hear from you. This is Voice of the Nation. 
This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from Twitter at not dry just flaky. <laughs> that Caitlin Aldridge catch will be pretty tough to beat. It has it all. Incredible catch. Willingly risks bodily harm. He went over the edge of the uh, fence there. Up by one run. Conference championship on the line. Last play of the game. It's an incredible play. It really is. It was so good. What's funny is some people were like, how come her teammates aren't there to help her? They all kind of like got out of the way. Well, because if they, yeah, there may be a situation where they hit her glove or something, ball pops out, or she's aided by a third party. Like, I think they made the right move to get out of the way. Clearly she didn't need it because she ends in a perfect handstand. I was waiting for her to (laughs) continue the handstand and walk down the stairs in the dugout. She just keeps going on out to the uh, restroom or something. Oh, amazing stuff. At TM Sherble, I believe Elijah Bryant's game-tying three versus San Francisco was so smooth, amazing, simply amazing. That is a great pull and one that I've forgotten. The game-tying three to get to overtime after you were down, what, six with 22 seconds left? Like, incredible. That was crazy. Coming up, the BYU golfer who won a five-hole playoff to advance to the NCAA championships, Rose Huang, will join us. And California football sideline reporter Todd McKim is with us. The band is not on the field, Jerem, but the Bears have big expectations. Just how high are they? And what do they think of BYU? This is BYU Sports Nation. The most amazing, incredible. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. UA baseball plays at Stanford tomorrow. And the Cardinal were number one in the country as of last week. We'll see today. They lost two of three last week to Oregon State. But still, they'll probably be top five tomorrow for Eastern on BYU Radio. BYU Sports Nation simulcast on a Monday on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Our conversation rolling on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation. Also, check us out on Facebook. And whenever you respond, use the hashtag BYUSN. We'll see your message, and there's a good chance we'll converse with it and talk about it on the air. We've opened it up, too. We used to just be mostly Twitter. We're going Facebook. We're going Instagram, so please weigh in, and we'd like to uh, work your tweets in. Our question of the day. And response. Since August, what is the play of the year in BYU sports at Keter's 33? Braden L. Bakri hit for sure. Nothing got me up out of my seat like that hit. That's probably it. Coming up, we'll discuss our plays of the year in BYU sports. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the California at Berkeley football sideline reporter, Todd McKim. Todd, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks a lot. Good talking to you. ESPN's Football Power Index has Cal at number 27 right now with a projected record of 8-4. and Is that the expectation in Berkeley as well? I don't know what the expectations are for Cal football these days. They've been... (laughs) They've been all over the map in the last decade. Um, I think optimistic. Op, I think on an optimistic standpoint, I think eight wins would be uh, would be high. Um, there are a lot of people that aren't convinced yet that Cal has the talent level uh, and competing in in a difficult conference like a Pac-12 conference, and especially in the North Division of that conference, that uh, they can compete with the big boys and the big boys I'm talking about Washington right now, you know, Stanford, I think over the last six or seven years, you'd have to put in that category. I think Oregon will be resurgent this year and then throw in USC. I I think those are considered the big boys in the conference. 
Um, and they play all of those teams each and every year. So to get to eight wins, you'd have to sweep the non-conference. And then, you know, you lose those four, and then you pick up a couple other wins, and maybe you get to eight. I think most Cal fans would be ecstatic with seven in the regular season and going to a bowl game. I think anything less than seven, and it would be a little disappointing. Last year, five and seven, and lost three games down the stretch by three points apiece, all winnable games. Could have very easily have been an eight-win team last year. Uh, so I think eight is probably the over and under. Uh, anything above eight or eight and above would be outstanding. Anything below that, I think uh, there'd be a little bit of disappointment. Todd, uh, BYU and Cal September 8th in Provo at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, part of our post-spring football uh, previews of BYU's opponents. Cal uh, has been good for a long time, like you talked about. The Pac-12 is brutal. In fact, it eats itself, and sometimes uh, Washington doesn't get into the playoff uh, like last year. What do you expect from Cal in terms of the first two games? Because there's North Carolina in the opener and then uh, at home, and then at BYU. Yeah, I think they're critical games. Last year, the Bears got off to a terrific start under first-year coach Justin Wilcox. Shocked North Carolina back in uh, North Carolina on a, in an early game, started at noon back there, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Kind of shocked everybody by winning that game back there and got off to a good start by winning the three non-conference games. And I just think in this conference, you, you need to win your non-conference games. And those first two games, quite frankly, are toss-up games in my estimation. Anytime you play North Carolina, they got good talent. You know, they walked on the field last year and went, mm, how, how are the Bears going to win this game? Now, North Carolina suffered an inordinate amount of injuries last year. I think they lost 17 starters at one point in time during their year. So they didn't have the kind of year they wanted. They hoped to bounce back. And anytime I've been to, I've been to Provo with teams, anytime you go to Provo, it's tough to win there. So I think those first two games are critical. Then the Bears play Idaho State, a bye before starting the conference against Oregon. So in this conference, you had better win your nine conference games if you want to be a contender and go to a bowl game. Todd McKim, Cal football sideline reporter with us on BYU Sports Nation. What's the perception around Berkeley and Cal of a team like BYU after they had a, an historically bad 4-9 and nine season? Yeah, I think most people don't believe that's going to happen again. Uh, you, you know, BYU, I think I read an article a couple of weeks ago that BYU's got like 18 games over the course of the next like five years against teams from the Pac-12 conference. So BYU, in the course of the next five years, is going to have a lot of say uh, as to uh, how Pac-12 teams are going to fare vis-a-vis bowl games and maybe even runs of national championships because of so many games played between BYU and the Pac-12 conference. BYU came in here a couple of years ago and, quite frankly, you know, manhandled Bears and cost them a bowl game. So, uh, you know, I think anytime you play BYU, you expect to play a, a good football team, a physical football team. And I think Coach Sataki has proven over time, he's been a great defensive coach wherever he's been, that they will bounce back. They'll have a much better year this year than they did last year. That's certainly the hope for both uh, sides of this uh, matchup coming up on September 8th. Tell us a little bit about uh, Justin Wilcox. It was his first year last year, defense coordinator, great resume. What's the expectation in year two for Wilcox and this group? Well, again, I think they need to go to a bowl game. Uh, I, I think five and seven last year, and he has admitted not what they wanted. Now, they were much more competitive last year than they had been in uh, the previous years under Coach Sonny Dykes, certainly defensively. They improved by 14 points a game defensively. Now, they weren't as good offensively. They weren't the hurry-up offense as the, the air raid uh, kind of offenses can be under Coach Dykes. So 
I think this year you need to take the next step. It's year number two. He's got a few more of his guys, so to speak. Uh, and again, I think uh, anything less than a bowl game would probably be disappointing. Sophomore quarterback Ross Bowers threw for over 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, 12 picks. Is he the starting quarterback, or do Chase Garbers, Brandon McElwain, and Chase Forrest get a shot this year? Um, they all got their shots during the spring ball, and I think it was pretty obvious to most of us who watched the spring ball that Ross Bowers had improved. He had inconsistencies last year. Uh, he made some mistakes in critical games down the stretch. Stanford, UCLA come to mind. But uh, he's worked really hard in the offseason to become a better quarterback, not only physically but mentally as well. So anytime you got, and you started 12 games, you've got an advantage over everybody else in that you've played and you've been in the fire, so you know what to expect. So I would imagine he's going to be the starting quarterback against North Carolina. I don't think that's set in stone right now. I think there'll be a little bit of a battle maybe in the first week or 10 days of fall camp. But I would certainly expect at this point in time Ross Bowers to be the starting quarterback when the Bears visit Provo. Todd, who else are the playmakers that BYU fans should be aware of? Uh, running back by the name of Patrick Lair had a terrific season last year. Came out of nowhere. He was a walk-on from San Luis Obispo area. Nobody knew much about him other than he was a great student. And he started the year as either the third or the fourth running back. Um, but after about three or four weeks, we lost Trey Watson to an injury. He has since transferred to Texas as a grad a transfer. Uh, Vic and Wary had uh, some great games for California, but he was a big, slower, but more powerful back. And Patrick Laird came in and he just, he kind of lit everybody on fire. He had a great game against Weber State, 191 yards, and then ended up with over 1,100 yards for the season. He's not overly fast. He's not overly big. He has some good quickness, tremendous vision, very smart, hard worker. So he's going to be the workhorse, so to speak. He didn't play much in the spring. They didn't need to see much from him. But I think Patrick Laird at running back. And then they really hope to get a kid by the name of Demetrius Robertson, who was a five-star blue-chip recruit out of Georgia, turned down to Alabama to come to Cal. He missed almost all of last season with a lower body injury. Uh, he's got uh, elite speed, can stretch a defense. They need him to be healthy, to stretch the defenses. Um, and if he is the, the player they think he can be, they got a couple of really good weapons offensively. Todd McKim, Cal football sideline reporter, prominent voice of Cal Athletics on BYU Sports Nation. Great stuff. We appreciate the time, Todd. Anytime, guys. We look forward to seeing you in September. All righty then. Todd McKim on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Great stuff from Todd. We appreciate him coming on. And we're going to look to preview the opponents for BYU coming up this season with people in the program, right? Coaches, media, whatnot. Cal is an interesting one because when you hear Cal, what do you think? Like, what are your first thoughts when you hear Cal football? Middle of the pack, Pac-12 team. I still feel I, – I still hear Cal and I go, oh, boy. Like, that's my first – like, explosive offenses, spread it out. Like, even when BYU won in, what, 2014 there? It was a shootout. It was a shootout. It was, what, 35-28 or something? Like, that was a tough game for BYU to beat – that was an eight-win BYU team to beat a five-win Cal team. That like, was the Christian tough. Stewart to Jordan Leslie show. Yes, yes. It was, it was a, that was a fun game. So Cal comes in here. Obviously, the connections with Cal are, are strong with athletic director Tom Homo, who was formerly head coach there. I believe this is, and maybe I'm wrong on this, I don't, BYU doesn't have a future game with Cal scheduled, right? This is the return game from 2014. So this is a good series. And like Todd said, there's a lot of Pac-12 uh, games on the schedule. This is another potential quality 
opportunity for BYU. And it's at home. It's the only Power 5 at home for BYU. Now, he called it a toss-up, which I think it is. But projections have Cal as the favorite in this Well, it depends game. who you ask. FPI for ESPN says 27, but then it's 65 in SB Nation's S&P. So people aren't sure what to think of Cal. Yeah, well, the Cougars are 90. Everyone knows what they want to think of BYU in right In F&P, now. according to SB Nation and Bill Connolly, and their FPI isn't much better according to ESPN. Right. BYU's got to climb out of this hole that they got in by going 4-9 and nine and having one of the worst offenses in the country. And you can quickly do that. Like, it, it doesn't take a long time. Is Cal the most winnable game of the gauntlet? Probably. Because it's in Provo. Yes, and this, is, this isn't a 9-4 uh, and four team coming in. It's a team that went 5-7, and seven, still trying to carve out its identity. Sounds a lot like BYU, right? Like Ross Bowers. Sounds like Tanner Mangum. Like, very similar resumes coming into Week 2. All right, BYU football all summer long. And again, as Jerem just mentioned, we will preview all of their opponents with somebody in and close with the program so that we have the insider's edge here. Absolutely. Coming up, the latest on Elijah Bryant's NBA workouts and softball's incredible play to beat LMU and get on SportsCenter's Top 10. We'll show you that. Don't forget more of your responses to our question of the day. What's the play of the year in BYU sports since August? Back to the voice of the nation. Isn't that Aldrich catch? This is BYU Sports Nation. Happy Monday, BYU Sports Nation friends. Welcome back alongside Jerem Jordan and Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. I am Spencer Linton. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. If you've missed our top headlines, fear not. We're going to do it again. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. Elijah Bryant, one of six players to work out with the Utah Jazz over the weekend. Bryant. Previously worked out for the Milwaukee Bucks and has future plans to work out with the Boston Celtics currently in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Daniel R. Ainge connection. Nice. Mm. Softball wins its 10th straight conference title in a doubleheader sweep versus LMU Saturday, 3-2 and 8-0, led by Game 1 Dramatics by Caitlin Aldridge. Toy popped up! What a catch made by Aldridge as she dives over the fence! That secures game one for BYU. One of, if not the play of the year in BYU sports. BYU went on to win game two and win the West Coast Conference Championship. The Cougars got into the NCAA tournament. They're in the Eugene Regional playing Drake Thursday at 6 Eastern on ESPN3. Top seed Oregon and Albany are in the regional as well. They seed those teams from 1 to 64. The top 16 tell you host 16 regionals. Or, yeah, they yeah. tell you the 1 through 16. But Why don't they tell you what all the seeds are? I don't know. I've always wondered that myself. Just tell us what the seeds are. Because we can figure it out. I don't feel like figuring out that particular bracket. BYU is the 32, they're the 32nd rated team out of the field of 64. Drake mm. is number 33. So that's an 8-9 game in the NCAA that's basketball an tournament. And Albany is the 16. Correct. Just say it, though. Just <laughs> put it on the bracket. It's not that hard. It adds context. It's fun, right? It's fun. Yes. BYU baseball not having as much fun after they lost to San Francisco on Saturday. They did pull off the series win on the road. Good series win, but too little too late. The Batcats, having surged in the Bay Area, I believe now have been eliminated from contention for the West Coast Conference postseason, meaning they can't finish in the top four. Even if they sweep Pacific this weekend, uh, they would lose a tiebreaker if the numbers went their way and they finished in that four spot tied with somebody else with 13 wins. 
the tiebreakers are not in their favor. So boo. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's rough. Good. However, they still have to play against one of the top two teams in the country, Stanford, Tuesday at 4 Eastern on the road. So, hey, you want some momentum for the offseason? Go and play well, maybe shock Stanford, and go from there. Yeah, they're just hanging out in the Bay Area all weekend, which is awesome. This just in, by the way, softball, West Coast Conference Weekly Awards. Libby Sugg, Player of the Week. Autumn uh, Moffitt is the... Pitcher of the week. She so threw a complete game shutout in game two to clinch the West Coast Conference That'll do it. Uh, championship. That'll do it. And our final headline, Cougars in the minors. Colton Shaver went two for four. Two home runs with a two-run homer, excuse me, for the Quad City River Bandits in a 5-3 loss to the Lake County Captains. Really? Captains? That's the best you could do? Michael Rucker pitched six innings and struck out nine while giving up one hit for the AA Tennessee Smokers. Yeah. Will he make a leap to AAA at some point? And Jacob Hanneman in AAA, two for three with the run for the AAA Iowa Don't Call It Chicago Cubs in a loss to the Round Rock Express. Hanneman was also awarded a yes, he was. Rawlings Gold Glove as one of the best defenders in AAA. They only give out nine, and he got one of them. Jacob Hanneman. For, was that for last year? Couldn't yes. have been for the first yes. month. For okay. last year. He's for last a, year. And he's a regular on SportsCenter's Top Ten making diving catches. And yeah, he's awesome. Stuff. Speaking of top 10. Yes, let's go to the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Powered by Caitlin Aldridge and her number four appearance on SportsCenter's Top 10 with that game-clinching catch against LMU. Our question of the day, since August, what is the play of the year in BYU sports at Cosmo da Cougar? <laughs> the great beheading by Braden L. Bakery. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> Against San Jose State, man, it was – to me, that's the best play of the year. I'm just glad everybody was okay after Yes, that. and there have been some great plays. You know, no disrespect to the other plays, but boom goes the dynamite. Like You, you caused the fumble and recovered the fumble after and that, the hit of the year. And then if it, this was the NFL, he's scooping and he's scoring. But he's down because his knees are down. Oh, just, just awesome. In a year that just stunk, that was the shining light. Yes. Man. It was awesome. At Shea Lawrence, I think hiring at Coach Grimey, Jeff Grimes, was the play of the year. Okay. Time will tell, but this might turn out to be a crossroads moment for the BYU football program. Runner-up, Coach Rose winning the Infinity Coaches Charity Challenge. Now, that was a great play, if you will. That was one of the great moments of the year. I really like that because any time that BYU fans can jimmer something, it's nice, you know. That was a huge collective effort by BYU Sports. It was, and it was for a great cause. So nice job, everybody. Keep the uh, tweets coming, the responses on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Coming up, a BYU team played for a national title over the weekend, but obviously they didn't win. Otherwise, we would have mentioned it already. Who was it? Still, great job to get to that moment. Absolutely. And speaking of national championships, BYU women's golf will be represented in Stillwater, Oklahoma, by Rose Huang, which she had to do in dramatic fashion to keep her season going. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Baseball plays at Stanford tomorrow, the Cardinal, in the top five. Uh, for Eastern time on BYU Radio, you can listen to it. This is a big game for BYU, even if BYU has been eliminated from the tournament. If you could take down one of the top five teams in the country, that would be a highlight to this season, for sure. Finish on a high. Move forward. Something to build off, right? 
Yes, and then a home series all on BYU TV coming up this weekend with Pacific, so you can still watch the Batcast. Live from Studio B, your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our daily BYUSN rebroadcast, as a reminder, airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Our question of the day, since August, what is the play of the year in BYU sports? Was it Caitlin Aldridge's Sports Center number four catch over the weekend to clinch the game? Was it El Bakri's beheading, according to Cosmo de Cougar against San Jose State? A little violent for this channel. At SABYU fan says Kalani Satake making a play for an offensive coordinator with an SEC pedigree. That's another Jeff Grimes hire uh, response. It's pretty good. Hashtag BYUSN on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll read more of your responses later on the show. Or is it winning after birdieing number 18 to force a playoff, getting into a fifth playoff hole, and making a a putt to get into the NCAA championships? That was a clutch performance by our next guest. Rose Huang has a say in today's question of the day, if you will. Rose, welcome back to Studio B. Hey, guys. Repping BYU women's golf, going to the NCAA championships in uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma. I just laid out the scenario a little bit. But, okay, first of all, you got a birdie late just to make the playoff. Yeah. And then get into that (laughs) high-pressure situation. Walk us through the emotions of of what you're dealing with in in that, that moment. Um, it was funny because the entire back nine, I was having to save putts to save a stroke and like not put myself out of it. And I had no idea how close or how far away I was from that cut line. So I just had to stay calm and do everything I could. And Coach Julie was there with me the whole time to help me with the nerves and help me read putts. And then on that last hole, it's a really tough hole for me because that second shot is kind of blind. And I just have to hit one of the toughest clubs in the bag for me, which is like a three wood into a place that's kind of visually deceiving. So she got me to stay calm enough to hit that shot in the first place. And I didn't know I had to get a birdie on that hole. But you didn't know? No, I had no idea. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and then when I was hitting my third shot, which was probably the shot that gave me that birdie, Coach um, Coach Julie and Coach Carey were there for me, and they were telling me all the tips from my teammates, their experiences on that hole prior to me, and where to land it, how much it was rolling out, what kind of a shot I need. And then I was able to execute, and it ended up being a great shot. Outstanding. So your coaches probably knew and opted to not tell you, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So when did you find out, okay, you had to birdie that just to get to the playoff? Um, As soon as I finished my putt, Coach Carey came and was like, hey, you're probably going to be in a playoff. Get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you think you were at prior to her telling you that? Um, I thought I was probably close to the cut line because I was, I think, tied for fifth going into that final round. And I felt like if I shot like even one under, two under, that should put me in a good position. Yeah. (laughs) So then you get into the playoffs. So you probably have a big exhale there, but now you Mm got to jump back into it. Yeah. Um, Emotionally, what was it like at that point as you knew, okay, I got a chance here to get into the NCAA championships if I can be one of the top two here? I think for me, I was pretty calm. I usually really freak out during playoffs, especially like individual ones, just because all of the attention is on you. And in the past, I've kind of choked in those scenarios, but I've learned from them and I was able to keep the nerves under control. And I was really nervous during the first hole. Like 
I kind of chunked my second shot, but it was still okay enough for me to tie the hole and keep going. But as the holes went on, I felt more and more confident. So, <laughs> Rose Huang of BYU Women's Golf with the Sun, BYU Sports Nation, five playoff holes. And, and it's best of one, right? Like, like yeah. it, tie, 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 and then you get Yeah, the it's like if somebody messes up, then they're just out. They're and done. Then, how, yeah. how many were in the mix? That... Um, so it was three of us playing for two spots. So you're, you're eyeing the other two? like. Eh, yeah, know, it's like if I birdie a <laughs> hole, like if I just birdie a hole and they don't, then that would save me. And that's what happened on the fifth hole for me. But at the same time, you have to not mess up. So it's like... When you're playing, you still have to keep your mind straight so that you're not being so aggressive that you mess up your chances. Yeah, yeah. And it's a little nerve-wracking, right? Like, you're, in the, you're on the tee box, and, uh, you know, one of the other girls maybe hits it, uh, hits it far right or whatever. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, uh, let's step up and yeah. do my thing, right? Like, <laughs> like, how did you, you – you said you were pretty nervous, like, when it's just you. Because at this point, your team's out of it. You're kind of disappointed the team element's not yeah. there. So how did you calm yourself down to be able to – be the first to get out of that playoff um I think that my teammates being so supportive of me from the beginning to the end was really good because the other girls their teammates were also following but they weren't nearly as loud with their cheering or excited for me Mm. or just like pumped up I feel like the energy from my teammates definitely affected how I played were they near you the whole time they walked with you yeah they walked with me They were like, yeah, Rose. And okay. it was just, it was so good. You hardly ever get that with golf, but they really brought the energy. It was a happy Gilmore scene. Yeah, you should have joked with <laughs> them like, hey, quiet down. I'm trying to focus here. Yeah, it was, it was great. Because usually you get some girls in tournaments that are like super, um, I don't know how to say it. They're just so paranoid of noises that every little thing seems to set them off and annoy them. But for me, like, my teammates being funny, being loud, being just themselves, like, I'm used to that, and it gives me positivity. So That's awesome. Rose Wong is headed to the NCAA championships in Stillwater, Oklahoma, after surviving a five-hole playoff in her regional. You mentioned that you've had some bumps and bruises in the past. You, said the, you used the word choke. Yeah. What, what did you learn in those moments, and, and how are you able to change that this time around? Um, I found that a physiological reaction I have during playoffs is that my hands shake really badly. It's like I tell myself on the inside, like, it's okay. It's not life or death. Just play golf. Like, you've played it for so long. Just do what you're used to. But my hands would shake and tremble, and then I just kind of lose that fine motor control. But this time around, I was like, okay, I think I know that this might happen. So I was just like, just start preventing it beforehand. Just be like, okay, this might happen, but be prepared for it. And then that really helped. You almost have to overcome the natural approach, right? Because yeah. you're like, well, this means more. So now I'm nervous. I'm shaking. Yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. Uh, but now you're in the NCAA championships. What's your expectation? What's your goal in Stillwater this weekend? Um, my first goal would just be to... Well, I haven't played that course before, so I can't say a score. I have to, I guess, not necessarily beat other people, but beat the course is usually a good approach for me, where it's like, if I feel like I'm playing at the correct level for myself on that course, then it's accomplished. But obviously, I do want to make that cut to play the Monday round, and to do that, I will have to perform. So will you, because you're at BYU and there's Sunday play or whatever, will you need to 
play two rounds in one day or a day earlier? Uh, yeah. So in the past, it's been kind of difficult because we would play the official practice round with other people and then essentially play the Sunday round immediately after that practice round. Is that on Thursday? Yeah, that would be the normal approach that we took in the past. And it's kind of exhausting where other people don't have to play the 36 holes in right. one day. But this year, they're letting me play my practice round a day earlier. Oh, and right. Then, yeah, and that way it's still the 18-18 type gotcha. of pattern. So Wednesday? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Thursday, you'll play... My Sunday round. Your would-be Sunday round. Yeah. Which is weird because it's like round three, but it's round <laughs> one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then if mm-hmm. you make the cut, you play Monday. Yes. Okay. All right, we'll be paying attention. Uh, who's in your crew? Who's going with you, by the just way? Just Coach Carey. Okay. Yeah, just the two of us. I don't know. Coach Julie calmed you down. Maybe Coach Julie <laughs> needs, uh, needs an invite to the I know. You know. I wish she could come. Like, it would be so great to have both of them there. Yeah. Well, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for your rounds in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yeah, thank you. Congratulations on uh, surviving in the pressure-packed moment. Really impressive. Thank you. And find you a squad like the women's golf team. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to support you, okay? Awesome. Thanks. Good luck, Rose. Thank you. Appreciate it. Coming up, which team in the Eastern Conference Finals will Elijah Bryant reportedly work out for? And who is competing in a national championship in Dallas today? national championship talk all over the place i have no idea this is byu sports nation i'm gonna watch the next byu sports nation is brought to you in part by dexterlaw.com for help when you need it most shout out to today's guest cal berkeley football sideline reporter todd mckim and byu women's golf star headed to the national championships of the ncaa rose huang if you missed any of the show Download the podcast on iTunes and or Google Play. Coming up this week, Between the Lines tomorrow. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Cougars in the NBA. We're trying to get into the NBA. Elijah Bryant was one of six players to work out with the Utah Yass Saturday. Bryant has previously worked out for the Milwaukee Bucks and plans to work out with the Boston Celtics. Softball. The Cougars won their 10th straight conference title, spanning four different conferences. The fifth straight in the West Coast Conference. Sweeping LMU 3-2 in Game 1 and winning via the Mercy Rule in six innings in Game 2 on Saturday. The Cougars will play the Drake Bulldogs Thursday at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain on ESPN3. Number one overall seed, Oregon, probably awaits. They'll take on Albany. Those are the other two teams in that regional. Baseball. Bad Cats won the series against San Francisco, winning the first two games. The Cougars lost 6-2 Saturday. BYU plays at Stanford, currently the number one team in the country for the polls today, tomorrow at 4 Eastern on BYU Radio and pack-12.com. Swimming and diving. Over the weekend, seniors Nathan Gonzalez and Kimball Mailer qualified for the 2018 USA Diving Senior National Championships. Congratulations. That championship series begins today in Dallas, Texas. Cougars in the minors. Michael Rucker pitched six innings, struck out nine, gave up one hit. Impressive performance for the AA Tennessee Smokies in a win over the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Taylor Cole pitched an inning for the AAA Salt Lake Bees, striking out two. That's effective. The Bees did lose to the Fresno Grizzlies, however. Jacob Hanneman, two for three with a run for the AAA Iowa Cubs, also got a gold glove among the minors. They only handed out nine among all the different systems and a loss to the Round Rock Express. Colton Shaver, two for four with a two-run home run for the single-A Quad City River Bandits and a 5-3 loss to the Lake County Captains. 
and Adam Law, my boy, went one for three in an Arkansas Travelers win over the Springfield Cardinals in double A. Lacrosse. BYU women's lacrosse played in a national championship game on Saturday, made a remarkable run to get there, but lost to Michigan 11-7 in the WCLA final. Congratulations on an outstanding season. Nice job. Track and field. Nicole Lord moved to number eight on the all-time BYU 100 hurdles uh, list in the heptathlon with a time of 13.59. Max Schiebel won the 400 hurdles with a time of 50.95. And Whitney Orton won the mile with a time of 4.47. Rugby. BYU or BYU greats, Paul Lasique and... Josh Anderson scored tries for the Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby in the Warriors' uh, first win of the regular season. 41-22. You want to mention the Whippy brothers, the Fijians... Who uh, Josh Whippy broke his leg a couple weeks ago. Jared Whippy broke his leg in the same exact spot. They're twins. Like, same leg, same kind of break. Incredible. Those guys are tied to the hip forever. Uh, best of luck in their recovery. Absolutely. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help. When you need it most, DexterLaw.com. Why don't we just give it to the entire BYU softball program, yes. which in large part is underappreciated because they make greatness seem normal. We appreciate them. Ten straight conference championships in four different leagues. Fourteen straight NCAA regionals. That's amazing. That is fire emoji. (laughs) Question of the day. Since August, what is the play of the year in BYU sports? At H. Collier 88 says the play of the year is the steal from Elijah Bryant and the and one from Jasheer Hardnett against San Francisco to cut the lead to one in a game that BYU later tied on an Elijah Bryant three and won in dramatic fashion. Who made the game winner against UMass? Jasheer Hardnett to Yoli Childs, right? Yes. That's a Yoli great Childs play dunk. in the final 10 seconds or they whatever. They were down 10 with four minutes to play. Yes. That was a good play. Our elite voice of the day at DeYoung1993. It's the Braden Elbakri hit, but for a different reason than most think. It made the officials admit they were wrong, and that's a rarity because he was called for targeting. Oh, yeah. They reversed that. It was a clean hit. Our audio podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to the Whippy Brothers. Yes.